I have this notification that comes to my phone every once in a while. Maybe you guys get it too if you have a cell phone. If not, uh, that's great. Trust me, it's a blessing, okay? It tells you how much time you spend on your phone, okay? I spent way too much time on my phone, a lot too much time on my phone. Like one time the pops, I was like five and a half hours. Like over, it was over Christmas break, I was chilling at home, but I was like five and a half hours, it's like almost a full work day that I'm staring at this little screen like the world's going on around me. So I made a decision that I'm gonna try to cut back on my TikTok action a little bit, cut back on my Instagram stalking, all the stuff that you do, we all gotta take a cut back, okay? And then on top of that, I love TV, love it. I mean, I love television, I love movies, I love it. I don't know what it is about the little box that has moving pictures, but I am sucked into it. I have ADD too, so maybe that's why I like all the moving pictures. Maybe you're like that. But television is, there's some terrible, terrible shows out there, like really bad stuff. Some of the stuff that you're watching, you probably shouldn't be watching, and that little prick of the Holy Spirit inside is probably telling you you shouldn't watch it. I'm trying to cut back that too, okay? Also, found this really cool tool I want to tell you about called PluggedIn.com. Okay, if you haven't looked at it, if you're ever wondering if you should be watching a show or not, go to that and they'll give you a really cool review. They'll tell you basically if this is appropriate for you to watch or not. I use that all the time. It saved me from some really cool looking shows that I should have watched, that I wanted to watch, but I was like, yeah, no, I'm not going to watch that because there's some weird stuff in there, right? So it saved me from a lot of that. But then I found this other show that's been out forever. But for me, it's like the new thing. You know when you find a show that everybody else is like, no, that's awesome, I haven't watched it for years, but it's new to you, and you're just like, oh, my world's just been open. It's boring, you're not gonna like it. It's called Shark Tank, okay? I love this show, it's so cool. It's basically like, this is the thing. There's these people around the world that come up with these really cool creations. There's perfect designs that they've made, pioneered, engineered on their own, and then they take it before these millionaires. There's one dude there, Mark Cuban, he owns the Dallas Mavericks. He's a billionaire, okay, so that's like a whole nother B versus M. I'm just in the thousand airs, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm way down here, and these guys are just crushing it up here. So they come to these guys, and they basically say, hey, for the last, like, five years of my life, I've given everything I've had to X. And they present it, they walk through it, they have a little demonstration, a little pitch. And then what the sharks do is they basically, the sharks are the investors, and they decide whether or not they want to partner with these people to give them the resources, the efforts, the knowledge that they have to help them take their product or their thing and elevate it. And when it works out, it's like awesome. Like they walk around with some big money, they walk around with a really great asset in their pocket, and they're like celebrating in victory. And then there's these other people that they have this really cool pitch, they've dedicated their lives to it, they go and they present it, and then the sharks literally tear them apart, piece by piece. Not intentionally being mean, but like, hey, there's flaws here, 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 and you can see on their faces, just like them melting. Like, oh my gosh, like I didn't know, I didn't see that. Didn't see. And then they'll walk down this corridor, like with sharks on the side, and they're like about to lose their like, you know, it's just like that sob moment. And so I like both. I like it when they cry. I know I'm sick and twisted. I get it. But then I also like it when it works out. And so it's a really cool show. I love it, okay? But with the new year, new creation, people, I was just thinking one of the things that we're going to talk about here is maybe something that you're very familiar with is the creation story of of everything, right? And the very first book of the Bible is the book of Genesis, which is meaning the beginnings, right? It's the book of the beginnings. It talks about how we came into existence on this earth, how God made it all. And that's what we're gonna be talking about over the next couple of weeks, okay? You may have heard this story countless times, but I'll tell you, every time you read the Bible, even a passage that you're very, very familiar with, there's a really cool thing the Holy Spirit does where it takes old information you know, when you read it again with fresh eyes, he starts to move in you in a different way where the information hasn't changed, but it starts to translate differently in your mind to allow you to understand more and more about who God is and what he wants for you. 
So we read in the beginning, right? In the beginning, there was nothing. And I don't even understand this fully or fathom it. But in the beginning, there was nothing but God. Okay, but God wasn't like a dude. I know we think of him as like this guy up in heaven, but he's not human, right? He's like this spirit being thing. If there, there's no other word to describe him but God. He existed. And we know as Christians that he existed in three persons at the beginning, right? The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit have always been and always existed. And they're there in the middle of nothingness. Now, your schools might tell you about the Big Bang and how it all started. It actually sounds pretty familiar in the Bible, except for there was a person behind the bang, and that was God. And what the Bible tells us about is in the beginning, he spoke existence into creation. I bet you it was crazy wild to see. I mean, we probably wouldn't have been able to breathe oxygen or be in existence to see that. But when that happened, I bet you it was just this explosion of solar systems and stars and planets. I mean, just like everything starts to create. And then he creates this place called Earth, right? And then he starts going through the creation of, you know, the birds and the trees and the waters. And he separates the Earth and the air and then the waters of the space and waters of Earth. And he starts to create land masses and things. And he's speaking and he just says, donkey, cow, Weird chicken thing. I mean, just boom, 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 all happening, right? And then it gets a little bit weird. And this is where I want to pick up our story right here. This is in Genesis 2. God changes the way he creates. And it's important that we focus on this part. It's Genesis 2, 2 through 9. I'll read it to you. And then the Lord formed a man's body from the dust of the ground. And then he breathed into it the breath of life. And the man became a living person. Then the Lord planted a garden in Eden in the east. There he placed the man that he had created. And the Lord God planted all sorts of trees in the garden, beautiful trees that produced delicious fruit. And at the center of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So the Lord God caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep. It's like God's going into surgery, right? Puts him into deep sleep. He took one of Adam's ribs and closed up the place from which he had taken it. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib that he brought. Sorry. Made a woman from the rib and brought her to Adam. So first of all, he makes man, right? First season. There's some details here where man's kind of lonely. He's all on his own. So God knows he needs a helper. And so he creates Eve. And then he gets Eve, the woman, right? Do you know why she's called the woman? Because when Eve saw when, when Adam saw Eve, he was like, whoa, man. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Totally not true. That's a cheesy joke. Okay, but now you'll never forget it. Okay, Adam made, I mean, Adam meets Eve, and they start this family, right? And they start living. And we don't know how much time has passed, but there's all this time where God is in existence with creation that he made with Adam and Eve. He's interacting with him. He's talking with him. He's moving throughout the garden with him, right? And Adam and Eve, for however long this period is, they're living in this place with the Lord. But God has always given man a choice. And so right in the middle of the garden, there's two trees. There's the tree of life that continues to give the life that, that God offers, eternal life, right? And there's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they had an opportunity and a choice. And if you remember this story, you know how the story starts to unfold. We're in the midst of it. There's the serpent known as the devil who is a real, real person. And he exists. He's not a person. He's a fallen angel. And he's just an angel. He can only be at one place at one time. And he chooses to be in Eden. And when he's in Eden, he starts to whisper these lies to Adam and Eve. He actually starts to trick Eve first. But Adam's standing right there next to it, it seems like, from what the story tells and he goes through and he tells them several things. And the first thing he says in Genesis 3, Eve, t I mean, the serpent talks to 
Eve, and when they're discussing why they shouldn't eat it, the serpent says this. You won't certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, you knowing the good and the evil. When the woman saw the fruit from the tree, that it was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took and she ate some. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, shame on Adam, and he ate it too. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. So the Lord said to the servant, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and the wild animals. You'll crawl on your belly, and you'll eat the dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity, or division, between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel." To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. I'm sorry, girls. Thank God there's epidurals nowadays, but still. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and you ate the fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Curses the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since it, from it you are taken, and from dust you will return. Whoa. I mean, they messed up bad, right? But I want you to think about this from the context of God. Because we always think about it from the context of us. Like Adam and Eve messed it up for us. Man, we could have had perfection with God. But the truth is, somebody would have made this mistake eventually. Somebody was going to eventually say, I want my desires over God's desires. This is the inevitable fall of mankind, but it's the decisions that me and you make on a regular basis when we talk about our relationship with God. The times that we drift from him are when we think we know better than he knows. You know, God's intention was always to give man wisdom and knowledge. And when Eve is looking at this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, she knew that it was desirable to get wisdom, to be like God. These are good things. And God had a way of explaining and directing it to her, but it was going to be in his time and in his way. But what Eve and Adam got lured into is I want it my time and my way. If you look at the, your life and the areas where you feel like you've gone astray from where God has called you in your life, it's the times that you pursued your way, your desires, over God's way and God's desires. It comes into friendships and relationships. It comes into choices that you make. It comes into addictions and, and different types of sin temptations that lure you away and trap you is because you want it your way over God's way. And it's hard. And in the midst of this, when they find out that they're naked and ashamed, they hide themselves with fig leaves and they try to cover themselves up, right? And they hear God walking in the distance. And that's something they've heard probably countless times before. But this time it was different because this time they weren't on the same page with God. This time, they disobeyed him. So imagine God kind of like walking out of the shark tank with the deal done. He had this perfect creation that he made. And then mankind chose to choose something completely different. And so in the midst of that, there's anger and I'm sure there's hurt from God. This relationship that he created with Adam and Eve because he wanted to have a relationship with him, they, choose to, they chose to go another way. And because God's such a perfect God, he has no other choice than to say, because you've chose that, I can't have a relationship with you because I'm perfect and good. The same way I created you, but you chose not to live in the perfection and goodness I gave you. You chose to go your own way. You know, that's the fall of all of us. 
Whether or not you think that you're a bad person or a good person, all of us have chosen our own lives to go our own way and to choose not to listen to the way that God has for us. And at that very moment, we don't realize that we are the prize of creation. Remember, the entire time God's creating things, he's speaking it into existence. Moon, stars, earth, water, plants, weird animals, okay? Anteaters, all the other weird things that look around, right? And he's doing all that, but then when it comes to mankind, he changes the way he does things. He gets involved in the dust of the earth. And then instead of speaking it, he breathes life into us. You know, you think in our world, in our culture, that we're just animals, that we just kind of live like the rest of creation, doing and wandering what we want. But you know from the very beginning that God created us uniquely different. But oftentimes what we want to do is be like the animals of the world. We want to go back to our basic instincts and our natures, that we want to do what's best for us. My truth, my truth, your truth, your truth. But the truth is there is no truth besides God's truth. And he is the one who's in creation over all the world. And one day, every single one of us will have to stand before him. I know people say that as a bad thing, but man, that's an amazing thing. You get to stand before the creator of everything. And for those of you like me who are in right relationship with God because of the free gift of salvation he offers us through Jesus, we get to stand there with confidence, not because of who we are, but because of who Jesus is. The entire time that God's creating and we choose to go the other way, God keeps stepping back in to offer us hope and future. Not only did we fall when creation fell, but everything in creation fell too. A little later in the story, you'll start to hear how God starts to clothe mankind with dead animals. Like he has to kill the creation that he made in order to cover the, the people that he loves. Constantly you'll see that there is death that's needed for life. In the same way we talk about baptism, when you believe in Jesus, you're choosing that I'm living for Jesus and I'm no, living, no longer living for myself, so I'm dying to this way of life and I'm choosing to step into a new life with him. The old is dead, the new has come. There's cost to believing in Jesus. And sometimes it's the creation story that reminds us that this cost has always been there. And obviously God would one day have to reconcile it all himself because the blood of animals, the blood of sacrifice would only go so far. At some point, only God can restore the relationship that is broken between us and him. So the only way that it can restore it is for himself. Why he sent himself in the form of man named Jesus who came and died and lived for him. And we get to see this prophesied in Genesis a couple stories later with this dude named Abraham. And he promises Abraham, Abraham, I know the world's messed up. I know you're messed up. I know your life's messed up. But I promise you that I'm going to create a new people out of you. And out of your new people, I will bring about salvation. I'll bring you back to me. And then they did this weird thing called the covenant. Have you ever heard of a covenant? You heard that language at, at church? It's a nasty thing if you actually look at it biblically, right? A covenant is when they would actually take an animal and they'd cut it in half. So just imagine like a huge cow. You know what I'm saying? Cows are big, okay? And there's just so much on a cow that I'm just imagining there's a lot of fluid in there. So you start cutting a cow and there's like blood squirting everywhere. Like it's, it's a nasty process, okay? I don't want to know what it looks like to cut a cow in half. But this is what the covenant they do. They take an animal of some kind and they would cut it in half intentionally to make it graphic and disgusting. And then what they do, it usually between a landowner and a servant, and basically what they do is they both walk through the split carcass like this, okay? And they'd say, hey, if I break this promise, let, let what happened to this poor cow or whatever animal happen to me. 
Let me be cut in half if I break the covenant that's here. This is serious. Like, thank God we've evolved to contracts. Like, you just sign something on a piece of paper and it works nowadays. We don't need to be go cutting horses and stuff. You know what I mean? But this is what the covenant was. And the truth is, when Abraham and God are talking about the covenant that God's making with him, God's the one that chooses to walk through it. I mean, he puts nothing on Abraham except for asking him to be obedient to what God said. What God intended at the beginning, just listen to what I'm telling you and obey me. And so he knows that if he falls through with his promise of restoring Abraham and his people back to him, let it happen to him like this animal. Let him be cut in half. And then he walks through a second time for him, for Abraham, saying, hey, Abraham, even if you mess this up, I'll take the consequence foreshadowing the idea that it's only God who can actually take payment for the mistakes that we've made. So it doesn't matter how good you are, it doesn't matter how well behaved you are, it doesn't matter how many good deeds you do, if you don't have Jesus in your life, there's no way to restore the brokenness with God. And so why it's so important that we believe and know the origins of our story, because from the very beginning in the first three chapters, we see that God created perfection, and he's inviting us back to it. We've completely forgotten where we're going. We've completely forgotten where we've come from. We need to remember that God is always inviting us back. He's inviting us back to perfection. Even though we're cursed in these bodies that will one day perish and return to dust, he knows that within us is something special. It's the very image of God himself. That's why life is so sacred. That's what we celebrate as Christians the month of January is an awareness of the fact that the unborn babies that have been aborted over time, that that is not what God's will is, that he wants to love and cherish life because every single life, every single one of you is made in the image of God. And because you're made of the, in the image of God, you are a sacred being. But we are broken beings in need of redemption and restoration. And so God offers that to us. But we get busy in our lives and we start to forget. So what we're going to do over the next several weeks is remember where we came from at the beginning. Remember the promises that God gave us and the promise that he always extends his hand, no matter where you are in life, that offers you a way back of redemption. Let me pray for us. God, thanks so much for your word. Thank you for the book of Genesis. Man, it's, there's a lot of crazy stuff that goes on in this book, God. But it is the story of us as broken people who don't listen who go our own way, who want our own desires, and yet you continually come on back. You continually offer us hope. After mistake, after mistake that we make, you continue to give us your hand to bless us, to walk with us, to encourage us, and to lift us up. So God, I just pray that you would remind us of that and allow us to make this our own. Allow us to process what this truly means for us as we step into small group. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.